Well, welcome to the 3 d Podcast. Uh, my name is Sean Coleman, uh, joined as always uh, uh, by uh, Justin Lewis, and um, we have made it, Justin. We are past the trade deadline. How are you feeling? Relieved that it's over. <laughs> I, uh, I think that that is uh, – there was a big gush of wind in Memphis um, come uh, Thursday evening, and that was the collective sigh of breath from all the Grizzlies fans, I believe. Um, obviously, um, it, it was an emotional time um, for the past month. It's been um, – I, I could say tension-filled, a bunch of speculation, just, uh, just everybody – was anxious, just up and down. Everybody was was ready to see it happen. It's it's sad to see those that left. It's going to take time, but I think it'll be exciting to see those that arrived. But um, we definitely, um, as a result, got an action-packed show today. Going to kind of go away a little bit from our format. We're just going to have some discussion about all the different stuff that's going on with the Grizzlies. Um, Obviously, we're going to talk some trades. Um, Justin's going to give us um, some some breakdowns and some of the new arrivals, um, and uh, from there uh, we'll also talk uh, about some um, in the near future roster decisions for the Grizzlies. Touch a bit on the the roster itself, and then also kind of look forward to the rest of the season um, in, in terms of, of what's available um, for for the Grizzlies, how they can get enough wins to convey that pick, which obviously is the number one goal. So just let's jump right in. If I told you that you were going to trade Mark Gasol. Jermichael Green, Garrett Temple, and Shelvin Mack. For DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles, Jonas Valanciunas, Avery Bradley, Tyler Dorsey, and a 2024 second rounder. What are your initial thoughts on that deal? Uh, I'm disappointed that the only pick we get um, is 2024 second rounder. That would be my initial thought. Uh, but when you when you sit there and look at the the guys that we got, you're taking some chances on some guys that, that they, they turn it around. But uh, for a 34-year-old uh, center on a uh, player option contract for $25 million, two expirings, and the awful Shelvin Mack, I like the return. And, and I mean, overall, the, the thing is this, is that the, the returns are certainly it, it, collectively – the, 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 if you did that as one big trade, kind of like I did there, it's cherry-picking, but your return doesn't seem that bad. Obviously, when you look at it being three individual deals, at that point, the returns become a little bit more disappointing. But I think also the reason why that is is because it was just so much speculation in the media. You know, As we talked about on our last um, uh, episode, we discussed that – you know. The deals that you are hearing about getting done, you didn't hear anything about in the media. The ones you did hear about in the media, they're either disappointing or didn't happen. And so I agree with you. I think it's disappointing at first, but also really, really do think that overall um, it certainly is um, a return that you can work with. Um, Speaking of the individual trades, obviously the Mark trade, we'll get into that in a second, but what are your thoughts on the Shelvin Mack trade? I mean, at least getting somebody, a body that, that you could at least develop, I think that's a huge win. Uh, so this is this is what I think of the Shelvin Mack trade. What I I think of a of a kid that has um this this electronic toy that has a wire short in it and this this kid's attached to the toy, but it's a dangerous toy, it's gonna harm him. But you just won't get rid of it, and you got to kind of sneak in and 
and take it from him and get rid of it and replace it with something else. Um, and I think that's what it was for JB. JB just had some type of attachment to uh, to Shelvin Mack, and it was it was damaging to the team. He did not need to be on the floor at any point um, towards this latter part of the season. Um, if, we're, if we're moving forward, trying to see what we have for the future, then Javon Carter should be getting the minutes. But he continued to run Shelvin out there when Shelvin just is not a good basketball player. So I am beyond thrilled that we we got rid of him and got a young uh, developmental piece uh, in return for that. You know, it's funny that you bring up the electronic toy um, uh, um, example. My wife has threatened to take away my PS4 for the past two weeks for the same reason. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, I agree with you. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's 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 definitely addition by subtraction. Um, you know, obviously Tyler Dorsey, another connection point there, is perhaps him and uh, uh, Dylan Brooks were uh, very good teammates. So they had a lot of chemistry when they were at Oregon in their college days. Perhaps for both players, they could develop into a good connection on the bench with Dorsey having some success from three, can handle the ball. So yes, you're right. Getting a developmental piece is is obviously a plus with with, with how bad um, Shelvin Mack has played. I did a p I, I kind of graded the piece over at Grizzly Bear Blues, and in the 29 game stretch before Shelvin Mack was traded, it was right after Thanksgiving when that 29 game stretch started. His last 29 games with the Grizzlies, he had a negative 212 plus minus rating. When he was mm-hmm. on the court, the Grizzlies got outscored 212 points. That's 7.3 points per game over a 29 game mm-hmm. stretch. I mean that's. It's just a disadvantage that you, that, that you cannot continue to rely upon, but yet we did it anyway. Yep. And and when it comes down to it, you know, it, it, it it's a shame because Mac was such a big part of our starting um, success this year, but you know he regressed and and just became he became someone that was playing too big of a role for his talent, and and gladly we were able to to find a piece for him. Um, the disappointing part of the trade deadline obviously was the Jermichael Green Garrett Temple trade uh, for Avery Bradley. Now, we're saying this after Bradley's, you know, season best game tonight against the Spurs. However, overall, um, a couple things contribute to that uh, being disappointing. Number one, Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple, they probably individually could have got you a second-round pick, or two or three maybe. Rumored that they possibly could have gone as a package to Houston for Brandon Knight and a first-round pick, which obviously didn't work out. But the main reason why it seems like the Grizzlies went that route is to help out with the Gasol trade as far as money goes. But uh, regardless of what it helped with the Gasol trade, it's still disappointing not to get a future you know, round pick. They seem like a good path to the future, don't you think, Justin? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I don't know what to say on, on, on this one because I was just so ready to get rid of uh, Jermichael Green because his raw stats are good. Uh, his points per game, his rebounds, that kind of stuff. He was shooting a pretty good percentage from three as well. But his plus minus was just horrendous uh, along with Shelvin Mack. So when when he went uh, to the Clippers with Temple for Bradley, I know people are, are freaking out over the, the 12, uh, 12 million, almost 13 million that is on his contract for next season. But what people don't know is that only about 2 million of that's actually guaranteed. Um, but yeah, when you get the rumor floating out there that Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight and possibly a first round pick from the Rockets is on the table, um, you, you may want that deal over, uh, this, but I think Bradley has significantly more to offer than Brandon Knight does. 
Um, Bradley hasn't really had much of an injury history. Um, Bradley just was in a, in a weird situation in Los Angeles, having a down year, just wasn't a fit for him. Bright, Brandon Knight just can't stay healthy, and Marquise Chris has seemed to be every part of a bust. And then the Rockets' first-round pick would have been super late whenever we got it. Uh, so I, in the end, I think this might have actually been a better deal for us uh, because it's a, a less of a contract than, than Brandon Knight and possibly a rejuvenated player in Avery Bradley. And that is, that is something I will agree with you on. I, I, I'm definitely in the camp to where anything that could come for the future, I would have I would have favored. That's just my personal opinion. To where you can you can take you've got an inevitable rebuild that you've got to start at some point. Getting as many assets as possible to help out with that, especially when your access to assets is limited going forward, I think that's important. However, I do applaud the Grizzlies for having an idea in mind and being straightforward and decisive with it. They made their number one goal getting returns that would help convey the pick to Boston this year, and they certainly have done that. So I agree with you to that point. Bradley's contract is not as much of an albatross as Knight. Plus, obviously, we can see his ability. He may just not have been happy um, with the Clippers. There was rumors that we were really, really focusing on him uh, to potentially go after him. We instead went and got um, Kyle Anderson. But now we have Bradley, and he's obviously – you know, showing his value. The thing, though, that everybody is on everybody's mind is the Marcus Gasol trade. Um, obviously, it's emotional to see him go, but it's good to see him go. You know, it, it, the time was right. I think for Mark and the franchise, they Mark obviously uh, loves this franchise. The vice versa, there, that connection will always be there. But all good things must come to an end. Things run its course, and so Mark now in Toronto seems to be gelling well. He's he's in a less of a role, which should make him more effective. But the focus for Grizzlies fans and, and you know us who, who, who analyze the team, write about them, it's the return. And there's a lot to offer that comes from the return. And, and Justin wrote a great piece today about DeLon Wright, and, and he also um, has, has you know, really looked at Jonas Valanciunas, and you know, he knows some about C.J. Miles as well. So just starting with Wright, Justin, read your piece today. You explained how he can fit as the backup point guard. How do you see him fitting? Where do you see him um, growing with the Grizzlies, and what role do you see him playing going forward? Yeah, so in the piece, the first thing that I point out that I love about Wright is that he's a six-five point guard, um, and that in today's NBA is something of, of value. Uh, these point guards with some wingspan and some and some size. You know, Mike Conley is small, and it's amazing the things that he can do at his size. But um, if, if we're able to I, I think they've had the conversation that that Wright can start alongside um, Conley and we can run them both together and take some pressure off Mike handling the ball, which seems to have been the goal for the team the entire season is to get Mike off the ball some, which he's one of our best spot-up shooters. So I absolutely think that's what we need to do is give him opportunity to just kind of run in the offense and let somebody else run the team. And Javon Carter's not ready for that yet. Um, Wright's been blocked by, by Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet and DeMar DeRozan uh, and then OG Ananobi popped on the scene last year and so um, he's he's just not had a chance to get on the floor which is concerning you've been there in the NBA for going on your fourth season now and you haven't forced your way into some minutes but again it could be another situation where if given the chance to run some minutes uh, he can do some productive things while well, he didn't shoot the ball well tonight against the Spurs I think Wright has the potential to be the best backup point guard the Grizzlies have ever had. And if, if he needs to be a transition holdover point guard, if we decide to trade Mark or Mike in the off season, 
I think uh, Wright can be a, a decent NBA starter uh, in, a, in a season of transition. It's funny that you bring up the back guard, the, the backup point guard story. If uh, if uh, there was um, um, a, wow, uh, just as we are doing this, we'll get to this in a few moments. But do want to report? Um, it does seem like reports are coming out today. Is Bruno Caboclo's um, a final day of his second ten day contract? And it's just come down that the Grizzlies are handing him a multi-year deal. We'll get to that in, into that in a second, but that's exciting news. It looks like the Grizzlies are giving Bruno Caboclo, Caboclo <laughs> a multi-year deal um, as his uh, second 10 days expiring. Um, it's funny that you bring up the, the backup point guard position because we were just talking about talking about Sheldon Mack. Justin, do you remember just three and a half months ago, people were literally saying that Sheldon Mack may be the best backup point guard we, we've had in the Mike Conley era? I, I do remember that. <laughs> so that just goes to show we've been through the Bino Udra era. We've been through the Mario mm. Chalmers era. There was the Grievous Vasquez era. But it just goes to show that the Grizzlies have not had a lot of success in obviously being able to fit that backup point guard role. And the NBA, with the way that it's trending, you've got to have two legitimate point guards on your roster, not, ju- not just for there to be out of the 48 minutes 40 to 45 of them where you've got a legitimate ball handler on the court. But now with so many point guards playing so well off the ball, it's good to have two ball handlers on the court at the same time. When Shelvin Mack was going well, um, JB was ending his games with Mack and Conley handling the ball to really limit mistakes. So I I agree with you. Um, We're going to get into some roster um, uh, uh, talk a little bit later on the podcast about maybe how players will fit into certain roles going forward. But I do agree Wright definitely does um, uh, make some sense as, as not only a starter, but also being able to run the offense to get Conley some rest or some off-the-ball work. Um, obviously, besides Wright, um, Jonas Valanciunas, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I'm saying his last name right. Is that correct? His last name right. Is that correct, Justin? That is correct. Valanciunas. Yeah, yeah, Valanciunas. I, I, I never am good with, <laughs> with the four names too well. But – Obviously, he was a focal point as well. Um, he does have – he is um, – beyond this year, he does have a contract in place. He can opt out at the end of this year. There's been speculation on whether he would not. But Jonas Valanciunas is a, the type of player that, yeah, the game may not be suited for him as much as it was 10 to 20 years ago. But especially on the Grizzlies roster, I do think he has a ton of value. We saw that tonight against the Spurs. For a team that struggles so much in rebounding, having that rebounding rim presence that Valanciunas does offer, plus he can expand his game to be a good jump shooter at times, I do think that he has a lot of value uh, potentially pairing with Jaron that if it works out could extend beyond this season. What are your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, uh, Jaron struggled with uh, the, the rebounding. Um, aspect of, of his game and uh, Valanciunas' per 36 minute stats for his career is is 12 total rebounds per game and this season he's at almost at 14 total rebounds per game and that's just insane. Um, I, I loved how when he saw a mismatch tonight he attacked that mismatch. He ran hard to, to the to the basket. Uh, he bullied any guy that was smaller than him. Something we just didn't see out of Gasol. Uh, Gasol would try to do this little fadeaway shot over a point guard uh, instead of it bullying his way down to the rim. 
Jonas did that all night tonight, and he only has one hand because of his injury. Uh, and for him to come in and give us uh, 20 and 10 on his first game uh, and, and pick up that slack, I think uh, I was concerned about the fit. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping that Jaron, we would move in the direction of Jaron being our, our uh, new age NBA uh, starting center. But I think there's a place uh, because of Jaron's athleticism and his versatility for it to work between the two of them uh, long term. So if, if Jonas decides he wants to opt in, I'm all for it and would love to see a full season with him next to, to Jaron Jackson. And it looks like just looking up uh, Jonas's contract right now, Yes, it does look like that, that while he could opt out, he'll be making $17 million next year. There are bird rights there as well. So there is, some, there, there is some sense to be made that he could be here next year. But I, I think you hit the point on the head. I, I get people's concern in that you don't really want a lumbering, um, limited physical presence next to Jaron. Because with the NBA going to smaller lineups, yes, Jaron Jackson is certainly a new age center with his athleticism, it makes sense to potentially have smaller fours like a Kyle Anderson um, and so on and so forth. But I also think that there is a lot of value in having con- at a consistent rebounding source on the floor at all times for the Grizzlies. We've seen the impact that Ivan Rabb has made next to Jaron Jackson and in his time playing. He is an elite rebounder who makes the Grizzlies play better when he's on the court because he helps them get extra possessions, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, whatever it may be. But Rap could be a little bit overexposed as a starter. So if you bring Jonas in to play 25 or 30 minutes as a starter, Rap 15 to 20 as the backup, you've got 48 minutes of an elite rebounder on the court at all times. While, yeah, that may limit your ability to move quickly and such, I think that offers more benefit to the Grizzlies than vice versa. You can always switch to a smaller lineup if you wanted to, but having Rab and Valachunas on the on the same roster, I think really helps make rebounding less of a weakness and sometimes a definite strength. So obviously, you know, obviously CJ Miles is there as well. His was more of a filler, making sure the salaries matched up type addition to the trade. But where do you see Wright and Valashunas, you know, we've talked about Valashunas possibly opting out. Wright is is going to be due for a contract. He's going to be due for a pay raise. Are they fits for this roster next season? Is that what you hope, Justin? Or is it more, yeah, they're here for this season. They they could be options. Is it a preference or is it just something that you kind of put off a decision till later type situation? Yeah, so I wouldn't count out C.J. Miles. Uh, rumor is he's interested in, in Memphis and, and playing here next season. Uh, and I, I like C.J. because what what have we been dying for for years in Memphis? It's wing shooting. Well, what does C.J. Miles offer? It's wing shooting. Uh, so I, I, I would not mind uh, C.J. being back next year. Uh, I, I think that the Grizzlies should give Wright as many minutes as possible the remainder of the season just to see – if they think that he's worth uh, investing in, because he will be a restricted free agent, so we'll have the right to uh, match any contract that's offered. But if it's if he gets all these minutes the rest of the season and he doesn't perform uh, in, in a way that you feel comfortable with, then you you give him the qualifying offer. And if somebody comes in with a with a Kyle Anderson type bid like we did to the Spurs, we may not match. Um, but if you're if you're intending to trade Conley. 
and you're not so sure you're going to get a point guard back in the Conley deal, then you've got to do what you got to do to hang on to right to have a a average, maybe above, slightly above average point guard uh, to to get you through the season. Now, Jonas is a preference. I think we need to hang on to him. Uh, he is he's not you know super young, but he's younger, uh, and like you said, he is an elite rebounder. And I believe it's somebody that would be beneficial for for Jaron. Uh, he play he does all the things that we begged Mark to do, and he and he does them uh, without hesitation. And I think that's somebody that the Grizzlies should hope that he decides to opt in, which I, I believe he will. I don't think he's going to get more than seventeen million from somebody. So I think he may he may opt in and, and take the money. Um, but who knows? Uh, I think right now you you play him. You see how they mess with the uh, the players that you will have back, and and Kyle and Jaron, um, and Mike, and you if they fit, you you make them a priority. If they seem like they don't, then you let them walk. And that's that's the thing that you know, the initial arrival, the the initial acquisitions that the Grizzlies made, the initial returns for the players that they traded. I, you know, I, I definitely am in the crowd. It was disappointing based off what was speculated. I, I can certainly agree with that. But just like the reaction that, that the two games with the new roster intact has produced, it, it's a good feeling. This roster seems to be much more capable than the previous roster. The Grizzlies have looked for years, and Justin, I think you can agree with this, they've looked for years for a roster in which you could look to eight to 10, maybe even 12 players deep and you can identify how each player can add something of positivity or value to the Grizzlies. And right now, we've got that, especially considering where the roster was before the trade deadline with all the injuries and, and the drama with Chandler Parsons, who we'll get to in a minute. But that's what I'm getting at. That's why I'm excited about the fact that this roster, you know, yeah, it's there for the success of conveying the pick, but we bring a lot of these guys back. I don't think it's out of the equation that the Grizzlies could be a competitive team next year. Don't necessarily know if it's a playoff team, but I do think that you're not talking about a team that, that's going to be, you know, New York Knicks bad of winning, you know, only maybe 10 to 15 games next year. So, so I think there's an excitement that, that, that eventually will grow. Do you agree with that, Justin? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. It, I was, I was talking with uh, Connor Dunning and, and Parker and, and some other guys during the game tonight. And while I miss Marcus all my, my all time favorite Grizzly, I love what I have seen these last two games. It, it is exciting to watch Grizzlies basketball again with these, these two games, these, these players are playing so hard. Um, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if you brought back this roster right now, as it is with a draft, with, if you have your draft pick, you're hoping you convey it. Maybe you get to sign a uh, a mid-level free agent. You bring this roster back. You put them together for a whole season. I believe that you're a uh, a six to eight seed team. You're not going to compete for a championship with this team, but you're going to be competitive, um, and you're going to help Jaron develop, and you're going to help Javon and and the other guys develop with these with these more experienced players. Uh, so I, I am very excited about the future of Grizzlies basketball, which two weeks ago I was uh, I was very nervous. And so here's where we are. The trade deadline is passed. Thankfully, that, that speculation, that tension, just all the anxiety, it's gone. You've got your roster in place. Obviously, the, the main goal for the franchise 
is, you know, in the front office is to convey the pick. For everybody outside the organization, it's to figure out where to send the front office this offseason. But uh, all the off-court <laughs> stuff will take will take care of itself, hopefully, in time. But beyond conveying the pick, beyond, you know, the off-the-court speculation throughout the rest of the organization, focusing on the roster itself, there are still some decisions to be made. And two that come to mind more than anything are obviously Chandler Parsons, who we'll get to in a minute. But also, I want to start off with, with Bruno uh, Caboclo. Um, I wrote a piece today over at Grizzly Bear Blues about the fact that Caboclo's second 10-day contract ended today and that I did think it made sense to invest in him for a multi-year deal. And that, as we said just a few minutes ago, is what the Grizzlies are going to do. And my thought process with that is this, is that Caboclo, when he was drafted, he was drafted 20th overall in the draft. Um, Fran Fraschilla is famous. He's two years from being two years away type thing. You know, Caboclo's story so far has been more of a of a joke than it has actually been something uh, of actual value. But I feel he is the exact type of player the Grizzlies need to value, that they need to invest in, because with all the draft picks that we have missed on through the years, if the Grizzlies can focus on a player like Caboclo, who has so much natural ability and, and, and offers a lot of um, value with, with his body composition and just how long he is, if they could put some development into him, he could be an inexpensive source of production on both ends of the court. I go a little bit of it in detail in my write-up this after or my write-up earlier today, but I'm excited to see the Grizzlies show effort into Caboclo. I think that his future is as a three and D type player. He doesn't have um, any hesitation shooting. He probably could take smarter shots. He's an okay ball handler, but the big thing with him is his defense. I mean. He has very little actual discipline in his play so far, and per 36 minutes, he's already averaging three blocks per game. And like I was saying earlier, I, I look at the Grizzlies roster, and, and I want to see certain things on the court at all times. With Jonas and Rabbits rebounding for you know 40 to 45 out of the 48 minutes, with Kyle Anderson and Bruno Caboclo, it's a long defender on the perimeter. And I think that they can offer that, and I think that as Caboclo could, develops – he eventually he could develop more into a 3D player. I know that our uh, that Parker Fleming had mentioned Robert Covington. I don't know if that's going to be where Caboclo is three or four years from now, but he does have that potential. And if the Grizzlies can take time to invest in it, I think they'll be happy with as he gets more disciplined and becomes more refined, the overall product that he can be. What are your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, Parker's not normally very far off in his player comps. Um, I, you know, Covington is that typical uh, spot-up corner three-point shooter and, and great defender, and I think you're right in saying that Bruno has that potential. Uh, what makes me nervous about Bruno is um, he doesn't have good handles dribbling the ball. And uh, tonight I saw three or four shots where he was trying to use the backboard, and he wasn't even close. So I don't know if it's a lack of work ethic. Um, I don't know if it's the, the the people who have been developing him just haven't figured him out. Uh, I don't. I don't really don't know what it is. But I am a Bruno fan. Uh, I do believe that there is a lot of value in that. The, you know the the stats and all that aren't great, but everybody loves wingspan. He's got that. Uh, I, my favorite thing about them, though, and, and I love C.J. Miles for this, too, is that they don't hesitate to shoot the ball when they catch it. 
Um, Bruno, now sometimes needs to learn how to pump fake and drive and, and kick, but he when he catches it, he's made up his mind, I'm about to shoot this ball. And we haven't had that. And I, I, I like the fact that the Grizzlies are going to give him a Marshawn Brooks-type contract. It's, it's a multi-year because it's going to finish out this year and I, I, I'm willing to bet that it probably only covers next season as well to give him a full year to, to prove himself. I doubt it goes past the next season uh, because then that's when you really got some money coming off the books and you don't want to have uh, a a project on the books unless he uh, just turns it around, which I think he has the potential to do. Uh, I think we got a great coaching staff as far as development goes, and I'm excited to see what they get to do with a whole summer uh, of Bruno. And that's the thing. I think that you've got two assets that can really help out. You've got Kyle Anderson, who's a whose biggest asset is his intelligence, who can show Bruno how to play this in mid-ball, show him how to make good decisions that, that can help out, you know, with him being a more productive and more effective player. And you've also got Jerry Stackhouse, who Bruno knows from his time with Toronto, who Jerry Stackhouse has had, you know, with OG on on Nobi and Pascal Siakam. He's had success with raw international talents, helping them develop into valuable role players. And I think those two could really help out Bruno. I think Bruno is in a good situation. I do agree with you with the fact that he's been in the league now for five years. I wouldn't say that he's going to, you know, just all of a sudden blossom into to, to, uh, just a late bloomer who, who becomes, you know, a, a fringe star. But I do think that he is a valuable bench piece. I think there is something in there that can make him a valuable role player if the Grizzlies focus on it. With all the potential in the yeah. world for Bruno, we're going to kind of do a 180. Were you going to say something, Justin? No, I was just agreeing with you, man. Yeah. Um, with going going away from Bruno and going to um, uh, kind of a 180 is is the Chandler Parsons scenario. And, and Justin, I, I'll let you talk about him first. It, it, you know, obviously all the drama that's occurred, you know, there's been plenty of stuff written about that. Now Parsons is coming back. Obviously, um, it's it's – He's seeking the opportunity to show that he could still add value on the court. What are your thoughts about it? I I don't know if I fully believe that he was healthy. Um, I think it's very arrogant of him to say, no, I'm not going to go down to the G League and prove anything to you. What's, what's three games in South Haven to prove, hey, I can last three games on the floor without getting injured? Uh, they're paying you $25 million. Shut up and go play your three games in South Haven. Like, you are an employee of this team or this or this organization. Like, just go do it. Show them, shut them up. Hey, I just lasted three games. I just dropped 25 a game. Put me back in your lineup. So, the fact that he didn't take it, I think it's some of it is arrogance. I think some of it is that he may not have been fully healthy. And now that they're going to bring him back, sitting in the trade, it, it may just be a case of, all right, let's showcase Chandler uh, for the rest of the season and see if we can get some team to bite on him as an expiring contract next year. Uh, if he comes out there and gets hurt again, then he's probably going to have to be a buyout candidate, and we just have to chalk this one up to an L. Well, we should have chalked it up to an L two years ago. I, I, I agree yeah, okay. with you. I agree completely with you on the fact that it, it, it just – I'm just – I'm done with Chandler. I've been done with Chandler for a while. Uh, you bring up great points about, you know, why it makes sense to bring him back. But it's a damn shame how him 
and Chris Wallace have let this spiral out of control. You're just talking about two individuals who's let their pride get in the way of the situation. And the Grizzlies just need to wash their hands of Chandler Parsons. It, 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 it's done. You have a good group here that potentially can make you forget about all the negative stuff that happened in January that can really play well and can really give you a good boost going into this calendar year, which you need to do if you're going to try to rebuild around Jaron. And just now bringing back Chandler, it just there's for me there's no positive value. I just I don't think that Chandler Parsons there's any good with him playing. I think he needs to stay away from the team. The Grizzlies never should have been open to the idea of him playing, and it, there's just no need to bring him back into the fold now. And, and that's my thoughts on it. Do you feel that there really is any chance that he could, or do you you, you are you saying you don't think he was healthy then, or do you not think he's healthy now, Justin? I, I don't think he was healthy then when all that when all that drama was going down. Um, I, I agree that this is just another. Uh, Stain on the crap show of that is Chris Wallace. Uh, it's, I, I don't understand why they're bringing him back. You you've got these these guys that you are clearly going to be a part of your future. You're trying to build the team around, build chemistry around. So who are you going to take minutes from to put Chandler Parsons back on the floor? Is my question. Because it shouldn't be C.J. Miles. It shouldn't be Bruno Caboclo. When Kyle Kyle's healthy, which he who knows he may be shut down for the season. If you, who are you going to take minutes from to put Chandler Parsons back on the floor? A guy that you clearly don't want to be a part of your organization. And, and that's what it comes down to. It's what do you feel is the best for this organization going forward? Right now, yes, in the present, you want to have success. You want to win to convey the pick. But you also really want to use this as, a, as an audition to form your roster going forward. And I don't think that that includes anyone who you clearly don't want to be a part of your future. And if that's the case with Chandler Parsons, he should be cast to the side Handle his contract in the offseason the best way that you can and move forward without him in the plans. So to end the does show Parsons today, Jason, even, does ahead. Parsons even help you – does Parsons help you convey? Like, does bringing him back even help that? Very good point. With him on the court, you're taking minutes away from someone that's that's going to be more productive. It could be another Sheldon Mack situation all over again. Again, oh, no man. positive outcome. It's – it, it, it again shows that despite us trying our best to move forward, anytime we move forward two steps or it seems like we can, we're actually just going to slip slide back one step or maybe even more. But to end today's show, um, really want to take a few minutes just to dive in to kind of how the roster will look going forward. And, and the way that it looks is, is that I agree with you. Kyle Anderson, there seems to be something wrong with his shoulder. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. I know that he's getting it looked at. He's tried to come back a few times, hasn't been able to, obviously. Dylan Brooks, obviously, is on the shelf for the rest of the year. I'm not even going to, you know, when Parsons comes back, he may get 10 minutes a game. But focusing on the players that really had a role tonight. Justin, when you look at the nine or 10 players that the Grizzlies are using right now, how do you see them? What do you see the starting lineup being? Who do you see being key reserves? How do you see the roster shaking out? Or when the Grizzlies finally settle on a rotation that works, how do you think it will look using the nine to ten players that, that they're likely going to use the most going forward for the rest of this year? Uh, we'll, we'll just put in the assumption that Kyle is going to come back at some point from this uh, shoulder deal. Um, and so I, I think your, your starting lineup looks something like Mike Conley, uh, Avery Bradley, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson, and, and Jonas Valanciunas, uh, which just saying that, 
makes me happy just hearing uh, a, a lineup from one through five that you actually like instead of having Garrett Temple or Demichael Green out there just excited. But then you, you bring Daylon right off the bench and C.J. Miles and then Ivan Rabb and Joe Noah. Uh, and then if Dylan Brooks were, ha- were healthy, you'd have him come off the bench with that unit. And, it's, and then Bruno's still in there and Javon Carter's still in there. And so it's just all of a sudden we went from uh, an aging uh, star center and some middle of the road to bottom role players, and now we have depth. And, and they try to sell us on depth at the beginning of the year with the team, and I never bought into that. I, I didn't think we had depth. Now I believe that we actually might have some depth. And that's the crazy thing. I mean, you know, with, if Anderson and Dylan Brooks are out, for an extended period of time, we still have two solid lineups in place. Um, you know, with Anderson being out, I think a, a lineup that does make some sense is Valanciunas and um, Jaron, obviously, at the, at the four and five. Justin Holiday at the three, maybe Bradley at the two, and Mike Conley starting. And then coming off the bench, you've got DeLon Wright. You, you do have um, Bruno Caboclo. You have Ivan Rabb. You have Joe Kim Noah. Once Kyle Anderson comes back, I would shift Justin Holiday to the, the lineup. And so then you've got two lineups. You've got a starting lineup and you've got a second unit where you legitimately have a player that could fit into each role. And you can mix and match them if you need to. Caboclo and Anderson can play the four if you need for them to. You've got versatility. You've got shooters. You've got uh, difference makers in, in, in each of the factors that help you win. I mean, you know, even if you don't include them in those lineups, C.J. Miles, Javon Carter, Joe Kim Noah, you've got depth and you've got quality depth. And that is something that the Grizzlies have really struggled with. You know, even back in the grit grind days, it was, you know, adding value from the bench. When the starters were off the court, could the Grizzlies maintain an advantage or stay competitive? And with this unit, I really think that you find that. So all in all, I mean, just going forward, I was asked a question the other day on Twitter. And then Justin, I'll let you, let you finish this up. I was asked the question the other day, how many wins do I think the Grizzlies were going to get? And at the time we had 20 wins, and I said 13 more, because I think 33 is a significant number. It's 11 more wins than last year. I think 33 to 35 helps convey the pick. And you, root, and you look and you see, before the season, we were looked upon as being the second most improved team in the league. When the Vegas odds came out, we were 12 wins better than last year's record, which was second only to the Lakers, who for obviously for them having LeBron. If we can actually accomplish that 33 to 35 goal, I think that's a win. You hit your main goal of conveying the pick. You have a successful rookie year for Jaron Jackson. You have a roster going forward that hasn't realized its full potential, but you've got a lot of it and you've got a lot of depth. And I think that's the goal. At the end of the year, if the Grizzlies can meet their goal of conveying the pick, they can see growth from their young players. And they can see excitement. They can see that they really do have a full team that, that, that can do better than expected, kind of as they were hoping to go into this year. I think that's a clear win for the rest of the season. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, so uh, another shout-out to Parker right here. He hit uh, us with his stat today. But we're going to go back to 2014. All right, so our goal is we want to be the ninth-worst team, right? Because in the lottery – uh, if you're the ninth worst team, you we're either going to convey our pick or we're going to be in the top four. 
So that's a that's a win win scenario in, in in a sort. Uh, so let's go back to 2014. The ninth worst team had 33 wins. 2015, 33 wins. 2016, 33 wins. 2017, 33 wins. 2018, 29. So that 33 number is perfect. If we can get to 33, there's a good chance that we'll at least be the ninth worst team. Gives us a great chance to convey the pick. Um, and it's really crazy that I, I'm pretty sure Joe Molinax even predicted us to be in that 33 or 35 range at the beginning of the season after all that's gone on. If we still get to that number, that's, that's just insane. Um, but if we get to that 33 and we got some momentum with these young guys and we convey the pick, it's absolutely a win for the rest of the year. And the thing is, is at the end of the day, you know, this is it, – it's perfectly fine for everybody in Memphis to be a Raptors fan now for Mark Gasol. But at the end of the day, for a team that clearly has been stagnant and, and a team that the rest of the league and, and, and you know, NBA fans in general over the past few years have, have looked more for their dysfunction and for what drama is going to have in Memphis next, if we can have those things happen, if we could make – the vision of what we had at the deadline come true, it could be a step forward not just on the court but off the court as well. There's plenty of changes that are going to come in the summer. Conley could be traded. You're probably going to see some shakeup in the front office. You may even see a new coach. But if the roster itself can remain intact and can also end the season on a positive note because of good play and clear growth in our young players, I think that that's going to be one big, big thing, that uh, an anchor of positivity going forward that can really help not only the franchise but its fans, you know, look forward to the future next year and beyond. Uh, that wraps us up for today. Um, like I say, an action-packed show. We thank you all so much for listening. Justin, as always, I, I know that you're, uh, uh, that, that you're looking forward to, to the new job opportunity and everything. So, uh, uh, as always, thanks for joining, um, and I look forward to next week and, and talking more about um, some games with you instead of some trades. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds wonderful. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, y'all have a great night. Thanks for listening to, listening to the 3 and D podcast.